welcome to the PsychoWise podcast. We explore how women can expand in pleasure and wisdom spanning all cycles and seasons of womanhood. This is a body-centered approach to living where your body is your personal resource for you to live as the woman you came here to be. I'm Indigo Moon, and if you want to turn on your cyclic woman and wisdom, if you want to become untamed and awake to your own power, then join me as we dive into all areas of embodied soulful living. Today, I've got a very personal conversation to share with you. I'm taking you back to January 2020, one month after the free birth of my son, Kamayo Kawaiya, where my husband and I sat down to talk about our journey leading up to the conscious conception of Kamayo and also why I chose the free birth. This is a very casual conversation recorded while my husband and I were sitting in bed with our newborn as I was still in my 42-day rest period after birth. So it's very personal, it's very laid back, perhaps not quite as eloquent as we were deep in the sleep-deprived but love-filled newborn days. Didn't even know if we were going to share it with anyone. This is us sharing a piece of our personal journey with a self-assisted pregnancy and birth. We talk about our conscious conception journey, including the three pregnancy losses prior to Kamayo's full-term pregnancy and birth, our experiences connecting with our spirit babies, the importance of preconception preparation, taking responsibility for your baby's pregnancy and birth, and how important it was for us to honor that pregnancy is not a waiting period. Our beautiful son was already here with us even before we conceived him. I hope you'll enjoy our conversation. We're about one month after the birth, our intuitive, at-home, self-led <laughs> pregnancy and birth. Yeah, we kind of knew from early on that we wanted to look into having a free birth. Basically, you and me, by ourselves, giving birth. Um, and I think a lot of it was because we wanted to have the best possible outcome for the birth. I had, you know, a strong sense that you would do better if you were, you know, alone to do the birth, but also just not interfered with. And I think having a midwife, even if it's just kind of outside the house or whatever, would be in itself an interference, especially because you're really sensitive to people's energy and just do so well when you're just by yourself. 
And then the other thing was also that I felt like I could become more involved in the birth rather than take a step back and leave the responsibility to someone else, to a, a professional midwife. By not having midwife, that would mean I would be more involved in the birth. Yeah, and I think that's part of what happens in like an undisturbed space, both for the pregnancy and the birth, is when there is no one else, you get to turn on your instincts. You get to turn on your brain sometimes to make the decisions necessary to really sort of look at the knowledge and your intuition and instincts and all these things combined. But it's not a role. It's just what happens in an undisturbed space. You get to fully step up to every layer of the experience. Like you're just doing it together at every level because there's no one else, which is not a weakness. It's a real strength. It's like going into the night without a light, then you get to, by necessity, turn on your ability to see a little bit better in the dark, turn on your instincts and intuition for where to put your feet in the dark, and it just becomes doing it, Yeah, doing and life. That's uh, part of, relates to the, that responsibility aspect, because in that process, you take on a lot of you have a lot of responsibility you know responsibility has different meanings and and part of it is taking the blame for it as well you are responsible you take the blame kind of thing and i think a lot of people are probably wanting to shift the responsibility to someone else so that they don't take the blame mm. but part of the the disadvantage, so to speak, of that is that, and even even if you have a midwife, like, I think the woman giving birth kind of shifts some of their responsibility over to the midwife or doctor or whatever, rather than focusing on their own know-how and taking responsibility for decisions and for being alert to what's going on inside of them and mm. knowing the knowledge and making the decisions rather than deferring to someone else's, you know, thought processes. And there's just something that happens, I feel, in that space when you just get to be with what's there without the context of someone else, like, asking questions or having an agenda of, like, what you should be focusing on in this week of pregnancy or to prepare for birth. I don't know, it just popped into my mind quite a few times that that a lot of people would probably think, well, why can't you just still do what you're doing, but also, you know, go to the doctor or go see a midwife? Like, why does it have to be not having that? And it just made me really reflect on and tune into that there's something so subtle that awakens in that space. At least for me, when I'm not disturbed by having to have those conversations, I don't really want to be having. I don't really want to be having other people's opinions. I just get to sit in a space where there's something else that awakens that actually wouldn't be available for me, at least in the context of normal pregnancy care. Even if it was with a wonderful private midwife outside of the hospital system it would still be the same for me that space of sitting 
with myself, with you, with our baby, um, and letting sort of this space be open to really tune in rather than adding onto it the context of prenatal care that has already been organized, then something else happens. And that space is a little bit hard to put words to, but that for me was the most powerful part of this pregnancy, getting to just put focus and attention to and just get to be without a constant narrative being added to it from the outside. Yeah, it's kind of like, I guess in, in the pregnancy, you know, there's a certain environment that is there and part of that environment is the people that you're interacting with. And if you're constantly trying to have to work with or work your way out of their structure or, you know, focus on what they're saying and all that sort of stuff, that's a kind of environment. And and, and it's like kind of like a school environment, like in school, there's structure, you go to classes, you do this, that, you're, they put your attention on this and that and this and that, and rather than say, if you're just left to your own learning process and being process, that you, it sounds like you're able to go more inward, just be with yourself, go with your own flow and intuition and feelings and interests in what you want to think about, pursue, and focus on. I don't know, it almost sounds a little rude because even with just normal conversations with people, there's an element of disturbance sometimes. It's a beautiful thing to talk about pregnancy, but just the context in which the conversations often happen where like, what's your due date? You know, yeah. who's your midwife? Yeah. Are you going to the hospital? Like, which hospital is controlling you? <laughs> well, yeah. all these things. And it was just like, it didn't speak at all to my pregnancy experience. And if I did bring up just little snippets because I did want to keep my journey a little bit close to my heart and I didn't really speak too openly about it but when I did bring up snippets it would more so than bring the conversation into what my pregnancy journey was it was more about like well you're allowed to do that can you do that you know it was more about that so it never it just so easily like the context in which pregnancy and birth is held even in more alternative circles it can still feel really medicalized or even just sort of an outside in which is sort of I think a lot of midwifery carriers and that's not to say you know this is only speaking to sort of what I find a disturbance and what I need it to hold a space for this pregnancy I think each pregnancy and birth is different but um and what every woman needs is different but just for me so many of those disturbances felt, I don't know, not nourishing and not really speaking to order or holding or nurturing the space that I wanted. So removing myself from those different pieces, like holding my pregnancy more inward, not putting myself in the context of doctors or midwives that I didn't necessarily want an opinion from, um, that just allowed a really powerful space to open yeah yeah so the birth space there is a structure there that is invisible until you come up against it 
and then you see that it's there. And the people that are potentially comfortable in that the, uh, environment that's there aren't don't notice it necessarily until well may not notice it at all and and be fine and fit right into it but there are also obviously many people that don't fit in with that structure of pregnancy and birth and you know knock against it and what's really interesting is that um the way we went about it was very like meandering and like we just make one step at a time so it's not like we had a an exact uh, way or method or structure about what we did we just kind of felt our way through it and that's why like i don't know we never had a at least for me i never necessarily used the words to name what our pregnancy and birth was or was going to be throughout for me, it was just about having an intuitively self-led journey. And that journey could take different places because it was not about what decisions to make or where they were going to end up. It was about taking those decisions from within yeah. and taking the authority home to where it's supposed yeah. to be in my eyes, yeah. within myself. But I, there is, like I guess, a piece that is not to go too far back, but just to add context to, at least from my end of why free birth, my approach to birth has probably always been that I was going to free birth. It just, I know, I don't really know where it came from. That's always where I started. And throughout many, many years ago, when I kind of started my journey of of going deeper into pregnancy and birth work. I always thought I was going to birth on a system. I even remember like many, like when I was much younger and my mom said once, oh, one day when you're going to give birth, you should definitely have a private midwife just from sort of her knowing me that I probably would not do well within the system of a hospital care. And I remember thinking, well, I don't know, maybe I won't have any midwife at all. And I don't really know where it started, but that was always my sort of foundation. And that foundation, I guess, then, without going too much into detail, got shaken a little bit when we had the car accident and I had some hospital trauma. And I basically got really worried what would happen in the case of a transfer. Like, I felt like I needed potentially to have a midwife if I were to go to hospital because of hospital trauma. But when I healed that more so, then I was able to go back to my foundation, which has always been that for me, my place of power unfolds most beautifully and sort of most freely when I'm undisturbed and I'm not in sort of that relationship that a midwife is if that makes sense yeah and speaking of the transfer thing i mean that was a big consideration and thought for having a midwife just in case we need to transfer so that they can be taken maybe more seriously by the doctors and be able to interact and uh, speak for you but again that's a transference of responsibility and so i also knew that 
you know, if we did transfer to the hospital, it, it would have to be like a real serious reason for transferring. Like, Yeah, we knew we had a pretty far, compared to many people, we probably would stay home in a much wider range of variations of birth. And many people would choose to not out of just gambling with birth, but out of what we consider the safest option even in some variations that are considered i don't know what you would what you would you like i prefer the term just variation because there are variations of birth that can sometimes mean that something might be going a little bit wrong but something might also not be going wrong right yeah yeah so for example we we were at what how many weeks 42 weeks and still no contractions kind of thing yeah, like no sign of birth, baby was high. Yeah. All these things. Um so but that's a variation of normal as yeah. well. And um and, and definitely not there was no signs of emergency. And that's yeah. not to say there wasn't I definitely had fears come up for me, especially because we've had our previous losses. But still fear is not you know, an indicator of an emergency necessarily. It wasn't like intuitive yeah. fear. There were just fears from basically the culture around we have, like the culture of conversation we have around going past the set dates we have, which are 37 to 42, and even less so because today so many people start their sort of induction process yeah. quite a bit earlier. Yeah, the fear comes up because the stakes are high. It's a huge, you know... Yeah, you want your baby to be safe. Yeah. There's all sorts of fears that come up in pregnancy. And I think a lot of what is fearful is because people don't know it. There, There isn't that education around it. You're going into this huge thing that, you know, a lot of people don't have education around it. And also the culture around us don't have education. And so they feed fear into us all the time. And even if you do have the education though it it is a fearful thing because you know that it's a it's a huge 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 process and that, it's that a, goes like, on it's a wild card life is wild pregnancy is wild like you it is a wild card regardless because yeah. even in the if you i mean in the end we we chose to stay home both during a longer birth process also past the mark of 42 weeks because we considered the safest option. We forget sometimes that we, even with medical knowledge, we can't control birth. They're just interpretations. So like when they sometimes interpret in, interpret the the heart sounds or the, the heart rate dropping of the birth, all those things are... There are largely interpretations, you know, that can give mm, a sense of what's going on, but they're never a full picture. And we all have to make our decision as to where yeah. we consider safety to lie. And for some people, that is to trust the interpretation of a doctor or midwife. For other people, it is to take that decision home to their own, whether it's intuition or their own knowledge of physiological birth all these things but in the end regardless of knowledge life is wild you make your best decision and it like 
it just is wild. You can never know the full thing. So we had a few pregnancy losses. Um, I guess three um, when you count it all up to be technically accurate. Is that right? Yeah, I mean, um, two very early ones and then one later one that unfolded a little bit differently. Yeah, but I just mean like one of them was very, very early. Like it would have been yeah, a, I a mean, blip that most people wouldn't detect unless... And the reason that I do, like it, the fact of the matter is, you know, I tried my cycle, so nothing gets by me. Um, There was a pregnancy. There was a loss as well, like yeah. that I went through physically. And also there was a really powerful journey with the spirit baby that would come again. So for me, what I've learned from those pregnancy loss without going into too much detail in this conversation is that even in the earliest of losses or the shortest pregnancies, they were huge journeys that I yielded so much from. And so for me, it didn't, I I actually kind of think that it would be beneficial to some extent to stop naming how long or short those pregnancies were because each of them were so powerful and I feel the same now that I have a full-term pregnancy with Kamayo in my arms like it's brought even more into awareness how the early losses were were just the same yeah I think part of that is you're energetically sensitive really sensitive to the spirit and you could feel the energy of the spirit around those times very very closely and when you're talking about that kind of connection it doesn't really matter how many days it's been like you know you could meet someone for one day and be thinking about that person for the rest of your life or whatever but it you know so the time how long you you were with the spirit of the baby doesn't necessarily matter in terms of the impact it has on you when there's a loss of that spirit. Yeah, and instantly, like, Abby Aya, who was our was a spirit daughter that came in those first two pregnancy, the first very, very early one and the second one that unfolded longer or differently, like, she came with a really powerful message to me in that very early one about work that I needed to do, which has informed this last pregnancy with Kamayo. And also then there's just the fact that even with a super early loss that, you know, did just happen right after finding out. First of all, I felt the pregnancy really powerful in those those days before the loss happened, but then there's also the physicality of it. For me, even that early loss was a birth loss, you know? It's very different from my full-term birth journey, but from someone who has done a lot of work with my menstrual cycle over many years, and my menstrual cycles are like the whole monthly journey of a menstrual cycle, including the bleeding journey, are powerful and to a large extent pleasurable journeys that loss was a real birth loss like it's nothing like a period even with an 
very very early loss so for yeah. me i just can't compare it to like that it was way different on all levels yeah so in a way for me, that preconception journey leading up to that pregnancy and that birth loss has extended it way its way into this last pregnancy journey. So after that, we had another pregnancy journey with Abby Aya, one that unfolded differently. And then we had a third early loss. And interestingly... That last early loss was also Kamayo. Yeah, so when did you kind of feel that it was the same spirit? Well, right away when we were pregnant again, but but when we got pregnant that time, which was after another sort of preconception journey, we had decided, okay, we're ready, we conceived right away again. And then I was like, oh, like, it's not Aviaya. It's someone else. And I was just like, who is this? Like, <laughs> so I was just like really curious. I was in a really different state because basically what I learned in that early loss was I was not, I was still really affected by our previous later loss with Aviaya and in that pregnancy with Kamayo, I could not really hold my fear in check because I was so scared of losing again. And we did lose again, but instead of really being sad, I ended up being relieved because I realized I needed to do quite a bit more work to really hold the uncertainty that is pregnancy and birth, like to really walk that journey and really hold it in the way that I want it. I would need to go into preconception again and really do the work. And that was basically what the preconception before this full-term pregnancy with Kamaya was about for me. So you needed to work on your fears? Yeah, and my nervous system especially. Fears and nervous system so went into, I guess, about seven months of, um, so for myself, it was very, very focused work in different ways. Some of it was physically how I was nourishing myself and I also, after each loss I've had, I've had to support my cycle again to get back to its normal, healthy state. So my charting um, has helped me. But the majority of work was definitely inward and focused on nourishing my nervous system and, yeah, navigating the fears, which was, but it was less about sitting with the fears and was really just about supporting and healing my nervous system so I wouldn't be as focused on the fears or as taken by the fears really mm -hmm. you say fears so there was a lot of fears yeah I mean fear of loss again I felt like it's a major thing to hold space for pregnancy and a loss and a postpartum journey after those each of those like there are huge things and it was just like I don't know if I can do it again. Like they were all beautiful, powerful journeys as well as with grief. One thing that's always really important for me to add is that my losses were not just sad. They were really powerful, beautiful experiences. And I feel like it often gets left out. Like very few people understand that like if I speak about Aviaya's loss, then it's like, it's not just a sad thing. That was a beautiful journey, and I love my connection with her, and 
there was a lot of grief in it, but there was also so much beauty. Um, but I was, in the end, really scared of having another loss and having to hold space for that. There were elements of fears of, like, after the later loss, my sort of after the birth, my milk came in, and that sort of early postpartum time after that loss was very intense for me. And I had to even navigate fears around that in in this pregnancy. Whereas I was simply afraid of having to experience that again. That feeling of my milk coming in and not having a baby was the most intense thing I've ever experienced. Mm -hmm. And I was definitely super scared of ever having to go through that again. Mm-hmm. So so there was a lot of nourishment and a lot of nervous system rebalancing and just navigating what it would mean for me to really hold space for another pregnancy in the way that I want it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I guess I feel like I should speak a little bit about how things were for me. Yeah. Um, so, you know, the pregnancy losses, it was mainly Aviaya's loss that was um, powerful for me. It, it kind of came at a time where it helped to uh, open up my connection with grief, uh, understanding grief um, because I, I think uh, I was very shut off from experiencing grief in a healthy way. I kind of experienced grief, but at the same time, kind of shut off from it. And um, Aviya's loss helped me to process how to, how to grieve in a healthier way. So there was that aspect for me. And in terms of preconception, for me during that time, I was pretty stressed out, a lot of things going on. And in a way, like, I wasn't quite ready, but I was trying to be ready. Um, With this pregnancy, I was much more much more ready and I was looking after my health and my nervous system was in a much better space so I think we were both working I think that and that nervous system aspect um, I think you had your journey with it and I had my own journey with it and I've been having a journey with that actually for a long time and it, it was only like just before Kamayo conception that I kind of was really starting to heal in a in a really deep way. The way I've spoken about it is that I, I was reborn, <laughs> like I had a near-death experience kind of thing, which kind of shifted my whole nervous system approach and that. So, um, so that was the preconception for me, and also focusing on my health um, more as a result of working with my nervous system so there was a big journey there as well and yeah, a took lot some of layers supplements to, to help assist with that yeah there's a lot of layers in it and it kind of deserves its own 
conversation because it was there was so much to it really um and it's also just something that I feel is really important regardless like I definitely felt like it was necessary for me to have for us to have that preconception time but I wish that there was more focus on in general because I think it is such a powerful thing to to nourish the ground in which you wish to plant your next seed and when you are in a journey of having had a previous loss I know each person have their own but for me it was really important that we didn't just jump onwards to conceive again I was really needing to be like okay we had a loss now I'm in a postpartum healing journey and once that feels complete whether that's you know a short or a long journey then I move into my next preconception so it was a very slow pace and I remember also as a bridge back in terms of the conversation that's held around pregnancy I felt the same in terms of the preconception because you know just a lot of people would ask you know like they would just assume basically we're trying to get pregnant when we weren't Mm -hmm. and very few people understood this like taking so much time to both heal from one loss and then Mm -hmm. go into preconception and just be waiting and that we weren't actually in a place where we were like yeah, we're just going to conceive again and jump in and hope for the best. Mm -hmm. Like that just wasn't our journey. And I felt, I felt a lot of people didn't really understand that when I talked about that because Mm -hmm. the conversation was just so much about like, well, when are you going to get pregnant again? Or, and it was like, well, I don't want to get pregnant right now. Like that's so not my journey. For us, I guess there's so many uh, steps that, we see that need to be done whereas for other people they see only like okay pregnancy loss next step get pregnant again yeah and then there was just it just felt like there was a very little holding space or or sitting with how big that preconception journey and that was that there was so much in that and and even then just it also felt like it negated the loss that had been there because people would be like, well, people that knew what we had been through. And that's not to say there were also people that were really respectful and understanding and continue to be really understanding of how we see our journey and meet us there. Um, Yeah, the pregnancy loss was definitely a, a learning thing for me as well, though. I would have been probably very much like one of those friends that, would just gloss over a pregnancy loss and and not really count it as being anything to dwell on just like a something that is just like a a glitch a glitch <laughs> yeah i guess that is like oh well better luck next time and that's totally valid too for the people that do experience it that way. But I know I'm certainly not alone in feeling that that was my spirit baby and that was the being that I love and connected with and and that continues to be my spirit daughter that I love. And it was certainly not a glitch. It was a really powerful meeting and journey and sometimes also a being that I miss. We both miss uh, her spirit and energy. Yeah. After Kamaya was born, I had a a moment like speaking with Aviaya and 
it just became even more real to me that her spirit had been with us because of Kamayo's journey and spirit coming here. Yeah, let's talk about that. So basically, we came to a place where we were like, we had taken those six, seven months of that preconception journey, that last one, and we were like, okay, we're ready. But from my experience, it was like, I would go back and forth. I'm ready, I'm not ready. I'm ready, I'm not ready. Because I had completed the preconception journey I wanted. And sometimes I would be like, oh yeah, I'm definitely ready. I can do it. And then other times I'd be like, I'm not ready. Because I there's just uncertainty. I knew once I say yes to another pregnancy journey, I don't know for sure where it'll go. And I will have to say yes to whatever comes. That was the risk of... Going, the becoming risk of pregnant. saying yes to yeah. life yeah. is death. <laughs> and I guess also just because we've conceived so fast every time, I knew that I needed to be ready once, like, because, like, I would have to sit in it right away, probably. Yeah. So I couldn't just be like, oh, we'll wait and see. Yeah, yeah. we had already decided now it's time again. And yet, still, I have another moment of like, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know, baby. I don't know. <laughs> and I say, it's already done. He's coming. What happened was when you were having that, I don't know if I can do this moment. I was like, what What are you talking about? Why? Why? Doesn't she know? Like, it's already happened. I just had this sense that it had already happened. And I don't know. To me, it was just so real that I assumed that you must know as well and I guess over the next few days I I tuned into that a little bit more and more and just before bed at night and waking up in the morning early in the morning I would in that kind of in-between state I would have this sense that there was a baby coming and that his energy was connecting with me and letting me know that he's definitely coming like he's it's like he was he's already i don't know how to give that sense of like that it's already happened when it hasn't happened but there there was just a sense of it it's already happened it's already there and it's just a matter of time um so yeah i connected with kamayo i realized that i was connecting with his spirit after a while and he was constantly just sending the message that he was he's on his way, he's definitely coming, he's definitely gonna be here and and in the process of him saying that I also realized that it was a very male energy, so I just realized, oh, it's gonna be a boy and also yeah, just, just a bit of the feeling of his spirit. I don't know, powerful kind of sense of rumbling like thunder kind of and and that went on for oh uh, at least a month. It was a little unusual because I'm not really into having those kinds of psychic-like experiences. It was a little weird for me to be having that connection, and I think part of that was because I was very much involved in the spirit world after... This is like just a few months after my dad passed away. So I was constantly kind of, I guess, in the spirit world, talking and 
connecting with my dad just and because of that Maya was able to connect with me mm. in that process so that that's my explanation for why that happened yeah and I did feel like such a strong presence but just for me um for me feeling the spirits doesn't always equal that they're gonna stay yeah so it was hard for me <laughs> to like really yeah but so for me connecting with Kamal's spirit beforehand so powerfully like that really helped me appreciate Abiyaya's spirit as well because you know her spirit was just very strong early on as well very magical spirit energy and yeah that really solidified for me after Kamaya was born that we can connect with the baby spirit even before the baby is here or just in the process of being here and who knows how how long beforehand and then also during the pregnancy you mentioned you know many many times that a little bit of a frustration that people think when the baby is here yeah. when in fact actually the baby is already here in the belly listening to everything yeah i kind of hated the focus on like the arrival all the time which is of course exciting and we're you know so happy that he is here in our arms now but we're also like really in the journey when he was in my womb and he was there and it's like that whole year or like those many months you know that it's like they're just they just feel very negated when the focus is always on the arrival and I just found that really frustrating because it's like he's here he's with us he's in our life we're talking to him he's talking to us like yeah he's yeah. here and I could sense his spirit kind of embodying more into the body and becoming a baby and kind of losing that connection with his direct spirit because he his spirit basically becomes embodied and then you can feel his actual physical energy which is very much similar to the energy that his spirit had yeah then so basically the pregnancy this pregnancy started with you comforting me and saying you know it's a done deal he's coming and we went on to open this pregnancy and like early on we were like he really wants you to know that he's here and he's definitely coming it's a boy <laughs> um and yeah you just kind of kept saying that to me in a way and that was like right from the beginning yeah i mean i think that it was just kamaya wanting me to say that just to reassure you because he didn't want you to worry yeah and um and i did feel him really strongly he was like the losses and the fear has never made me feel disconnected from from the from our baby or anything or from kamaya or aviaya but it just made it very real that I don't know how this particular life journey will unfold. So that beautiful connection could go many ways and 
and it was just sitting in the reality of that. But in the meanwhile, he was very much present for me, and I felt very connected to him. And so we conceived in Thailand in Chiang Mai, which is also where we met uh, and used to live. And um, I know that feels kind of special to me. Not that it was necessary, but it that's how it happened. And we also conceived right around the time that we met, which would have been, I guess, eight years before that in March. So that felt very full circle mm-hmm. in a way. And also the moon is was <laughs> the moon phase, the lunar phase was uh my natal moon. So the same moon phase that I was born on, which which is meant to be also in Legend has it that, that it's a <laughs> window of increased fertility. The moon that you were born in. Yeah, like my natal moon phase. So like on my birthday when I was born, the lunar phase on that day. Yeah. So that's when he came into being. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for joining us in this episode of PsychoWise. If you'd like to share a comment or a question related to this episode, please visit the episode link in the show notes where you can submit your feedback or question as well as read comments from other women listening with you. We're so much stronger together. I'm Indigo Moon Anamark. Until next time, I'm sending you love from my inner woman to yours.